welcome to the Bitches Love Brunch podcast. This is season four, episode one. We are back. I am back. So I'm so excited to be back on the podcast and recording again. It's been about a year and it's been... Y'all, it's been a year. There's so much. <laughs> there's so much that's transpired in this year, and I needed to take time to figure out what to do with the show, what to do with my life. Doesn't matter. I'm back. I'm behind the mic, and I'm super excited to start season four. With you know. So let me just jump right into it with a brunch recap. Um, you know, since the last time that we had the podcast going on, I mentioned and Courtney also mentioned that she was transitioning out of the show. So Courtney is no longer a host, but a forever guest and she will be back at some point. So for now, it's just me, me, Kiana. Y'all, y'all like it. It's okay. So it's just me. And right now, what we're going to do moving forward with the Bitches Love Brunch podcast is that we're going to have a guest come in every other week to sit down, talk to me over this bougie-ass brunch layout, and we're going to have a good time. (laughs) So if you guys don't already know, you hear some chatter, some laughter going on in the background. I have one of my best, best, best bitches. Best gal pals, Alexandria. Hello. Hello. Hey y'all. Hey. Hey. I'm so excited to have you on the show, sis. I mean, what what are we at? Like 15 years? Are we? I think so. I think so. I think our. I think we shared our locker sophomore year, so we would be 15. Oh. Was it not sophomore year? It, it was sophomore year of high school. So Alex and I, we grew up in Cleveland together. We went to the infamous Euclid High School together in Cleveland. And our locker The original Euclid High School. Hello, may she rest in peace. Oh my gosh, there's a whole new high school. They tore it down. It's gone? Kind of. Like, they tore some stuff down. They There was some demolition going on people were taking tours and stuff as you can I, tell, I didn't like it that much i wouldn't have gone back y'all we neither one of us live in cleveland anymore but we went to <laughs> high school together and i love alex with my whole entire heart and i'm just so oh. happy that you would be doing my first episode um with me season four season four it's four years four. in the podcast game um, shout out to all the new podcasts out there. I've seen y'all pop up over the pandemic. I see y'all creating. I see the magic that y'all are making. Welcome to the pod community. I'm excited to have y'all, um, you know, just to work alongside of. And you have also been like podcasting too. Mm-hmm. I just um, somehow stumbled upon it. As, and it's it's 100% self-care. I do it for because it's fun. It doesn't, you know... I don't necessarily have any like aspirations towards it. I just started doing it with a friend of mine and it just became something that I do on a regular basis, like two or three times a week. We love to see it. We love. Yeah. It's a good time. It's a good time. Oh, well, I'm so happy that you're here, Alex. I've picked out two topics for us to talk about today Mm. and and typical bitches love brunch style. The first thing that we do when we're on the show 
is that we pass the mimosas. Yes, we do. So, first question. What you drinking? So, listen, because I'm a new 31-year-old, not actually new. I'm already halfway through. Okay. I... I am drinking sparkling water because I need to get my water intake in today. It's a good Tuesday night, 7.30, and um, I'm drinking some flavored sparkling water because that's who I am these days. I got to work on these wrinkles on my face to stay hydrated. Oh, they can't even see you. Why are you telling them all that? <laughs> <laughs> I got to stay hydrated, Okay. You know what? I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you at all. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. I, too, am drinking water. I just came in from running See? two miles. Yes. I See? came in from running Listen, two miles I'm, and I needed it. I know they say black don't crack, but I'm half white. So I got to <laughs> I gotta be right. You know, I got to keep it right. I keep it right. Somebody come get her. Somebody come get her. <laughs> I can't. I'm just kidding. I'm not half white. I'm, seven, I'm 25%. But it's still in your blood. We all mix with a little bit. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, girl, we both drinking water. I'm drinking regular water. Um, And you're drinking (laughs) sparkling water because she's a little fancy over there. Watermelon flavored. Oh. You black. (laughs) You black. So that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. Put the watermelon in the water. I ain't mad, sis. (laughs) I ain't mad. So one of the things that we started to do was to have an affirmation to start the show. And the affirmation for the show is, I am in divine alignment with God's plan for my life. Um, I believe that right now, especially right now. There's so much that I need to catch you guys up on just personally, professionally, all of those things. But for right now, we're going to focus on our first topic, and that is alternative pathways. Um, (laughs) This topic was on my heart to talk to Alex about because, you know, because we've known each other since high school and being young teenagers trying to figure out what we want to do with our lives and still trying to figure out what we want to do with our lives you know, we started off on similar paths, you know, um, at Eucla High School, we both decided to go to college around the same time. And then somewhere in that mix, our paths started to look different. Our friendship right. stayed the same, but our paths really started to look different. Um, as you guys know, Courtney and I, we went to Ohio University together in Athens, Ohio. I did the traditional four years right after um college and went and got my bachelor's degree and shortly started working um, after that before I went and got my master's. But Alex had a different path. And I think that it's so important to talk about what success looks like and how there are different versions Mm -hmm. of it and how you get there, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to have this conversation with you because so many people, you know, we are still y'all. Y'all, we are still in a pandemic. Don't get it twisted. We're still in a pandemic. And I think that right now, a lot of people are trying to pivot or trying to figure out, are you really doing this right now? Y'all, Alex is covering her face. She at home, though. Let me tell y'all, she at home. But we are still trying to figure out, you know, what to do with ourselves and our paths and what they may look like. And, you know, success as I've seen and as I've learned, 
so far is not linear, you know, and it's not an ABC one, two, three type of um, prescription that people try to tell us about. That's definitely not true. So I just wanted to talk to you a little about that. Talk to our listeners about, you know, what your path may have looked like. So yeah, you know, tell me. It was. Tell them. I know I was right there, front row seat. <laughs> some of our listeners witnessed it. Like some of our girls, definitely the girls in the group chat that we've had the last couple of days, definitely witnessed it. So it, yeah, we we did go down similar paths. Like we started the same, you know, as did many people. Um, in our class, many yeah. of our friends, many people that we know, because in, in 2008, what were you supposed to do? Like as a black girl, like what were you supposed to do as a teenager? Go to college. They're talking to you about college when you're in the 10th grade, like what mm-hmm. college you're going to make sure you take three years of Spanish, not two years because it looks better for colleges. Make sure you're doing this for college. Like your goal was to not get pregnant and your goal was to go to college. That's it. Was that right? Though? And get a job. It, I mean, I, I wasn't like trying to. Get, I wasn't trying to get pregnant. You absolutely right. My mom was like, "Don't bring no babies in my house." Yes, because that was the age of like the te- the sixteen and pregnant on MTV back when Farrah was acting a fool on television. On Teen Mom, and that I mean, yes, Teen Mom <laughs> and because it, it started with sixteen and pregnant, and then it went to Teen Mom. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like it was that time, it was that age. It was that age where there were more girls in our schools, you know, popping up, having babies. And so our parents were terrified and it was like, whatever you do, don't get pregnant. And I successfully did that. You know, I felt like I listened, no shade to anybody who did get pregnant. 100% no shade. None. Um, But the other thing was you got to go to college. You got to go to college because if you don't go to college, you won't succeed you'll be nothing. You got to be better than me. You got to go to college. Like that's just what it was. And if you didn't know what college you wanted to go to, and if you didn't know what your path was, then you were doing something wrong. We all knew that. We all knew that there was so much pressure. And I remember, and like, I don't think that I have ever, I think I might've shared this with you, maybe just a couple of years ago. We know I was an athlete all through high school, uh, but I wasn't great. I mean, huh? What sport did you play? So I played basketball and I swam in the summer. Okay. Y'all, I'm not going to tell y'all the things. The kids are mean, but I used to make fun of Alex for playing basketball. I just, and it's not anything wrong with like women athletes, right? But y'all, Alex being next to me at like our lockers being next to each other. I didn't know we were going to be destined to be lifelong friends, but I'm sorry. Go go right ahead. Sorry. You got got the floor. Y'all, she, she's come to understand. She has come to admit it and own it. But Kiana was mean as hell, okay? <gasps> you were. You were. You were. I remember. But you own it. I, okay. I was, I was kind of a mean. You weren't like Regina George, but you were, you know, you weren't that. My mouth was smart. <laughs> There you go. My mouth was smart. That's what it was. I just always been witty, but go ahead. So, you know, we're going through high school. I was an athlete. I did my best. I stayed eligible to play. That was really all I cared about. I didn't have the most success in school. I wasn't in really any honors classes except one. Like I was 
bare minimum was what I did. And that's, and that that's okay. Right. Not okay. Technically, but it was cool. But it was, you know, when I was a senior in high school and I'll get past this high school period in a minute, but it just speaks to how much pressure I felt when I'm applying for colleges and we're going on college tours. When I applied for college, I didn't get accepted to one, not one, not one college I applied to did I get accepted to because it just wasn't, my grades were not acceptable I was an athlete, but like, I wasn't bringing anything to the table that the colleges felt. There was, I remember at the time they said, friends don't let friends go to Toledo. Like friends don't let friends go to the university of Toledo. Toledo did not accept my black ass. Okay. It wasn't happening for me. It was not happening for me because it like, it, it was just hard. Like, you know, staying eligible for basketball, but actually caring for school. And I, I didn't care about any of that. So anyway, um, it just wasn't set up for me. I got accepted to the University of Cincinnati and they had a program where I got accepted to their community college mm-hmm. and um, they allowed me to live on campus. So they allowed me to live on campus like a normal student and have a normal student experience and go to classes that normal students would go to. Mm-hmm. But I was technically in like a pre-college program. So I had to prove to them that I could pass these classes in order for them to allow me to take the college level classes, but I got to have that same college experience as everyone else. It was a really good program, even as I think about it now, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. You know, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for the pressure. I wasn't ready for that responsibility since Cleveland to Cincinnati is across the state. You know, that's hours away from home. I just was not ready for that responsibility. I wasn't mature enough to make those decisions. And it was a lot of money. And I remember I moved to Cincinnati in August and I, by October, my father had rented a van, came up to Cincinnati. I dropped out and he drove me home and I came home. I did not even finish the semester. I was crying in my dorm room hallway every day. I was skipping class and sleeping in. What adult Alex knows, what 31 year old Alex knows is that was depression, like at its deepest level for me. Like it was one of the hardest periods of my life. I was also extremely immature in a relationship that I was in. And so I wanted to go back home and and see that person and feel that comfort. Um, And it was, I just quit. I just quit. I couldn't do it. Um, And that was hard for me to deal with that. Like when I made the decision to quit school very early on and kids now call it a gap year, like you don't even go to school. You just give yourself a gap year, which I think is smart. Um, Not for everybody, but it's nice to know that that plan is in place for kids. Um, but I remember, I still remember um, the song that was playing on the radio when my father picked me up. It was T.I. and Rihanna, Live Your Life. Mm. Like it, That song still gives me a little bit, like it takes me right back to that memory because it was such a hard decision to feel like I had failed. Mm. So, you know, those days of me crying in the hallway and the difficulty I had get picked up and get driven back to Cleveland, failing, like that feeling of failure was overwhelming. And so I remember a lot of those things. I remember T.I. and Rihanna playing on the radio. I remember getting back home to my apartment and my mom made my bed over and got me new bedspread and all of that. And it felt good and comforting to be home. I had an overwhelming sense of that I made the right decision and I felt better and that anxiety was mm-hmm. gone. But at the same time, I felt like a failure. And that stuck with me for a really long time. 
because, you know, I came home, I got a job right away. So I wasn't coming yeah. home until I got a job. So I started working at the hospital, you know, just doing, just working. I tried to go to community college. So I took some classes at Lakeland, wasted that money too. I failed those classes too. So these are now classes I failed at Cincinnati. These are classes I failed at Lakeland Community College, trying to keep up, like trying to keep up with what I felt I was supposed to do because that's what society told us we needed to do. At this point, I'm tens of thousands of dollars in debt with not a past class to show for it. Not one class is transferable to show for it. And eventually I stopped doing that. So altogether, I stopped school and I just started to work full time. I was doing secretary work at the hospital. Um, and I said, you know what? School's not for everybody. I also remember us having conversations. Yeah. I, re- I routinely will go onto my Facebook page now, go back to my memories and delete some of the posts that I made back in that time where I said, education's not for everybody and that's okay. And I would curse and I, you could, I could just tell I was in a dark place. I still see that sometimes and it yeah. gives me chills. But it's just... Um, it wasn't for me. And I felt like it was never going to be for me. And I felt like I could never accomplish that ever. And um, I didn't feel smart enough or good enough or that I had the ability. And at the same time, I'm still friends with you, you know, like you and some of my other friends, but that some of the, the ladies that I went to Cincinnati with are still continuing down that path and succeeding and making friends and having experiences. And so my feelings of failure were tripled and doubled and quadrupled by seeing everyone else around me succeeding at something that I felt like I could never do. It was horrifying. Like the depression, again, I did not know it at the time, but it was the worst it had ever been. I had no idea. And um, just doing daily things like waking up on time and going to work. Like I would, even at work, I would routinely get written up for coming in late, you know, not caring. I wasn't pulling myself together. Uh, It was just really hard. It was a really hard and challenging time. I did eventually kind of find some sort of routine. Mm -hmm. We know this because like we used to kick it and everybody would come to my apartment. You know, I was maintaining my rent. There would be times where I would buy some shoes and not pay my rent. So I'd be paying a late fee or like this close to like get posted for it. It's always some shoes with Alex. Always some shoes. (laughs) There would be times where I would like, my lights would get cut off and I would go and turn them back on. But I did it. Like I did it. While all of this is happening, my mom, you know, my father had moved to Atlanta Uh, My mom had moved to Toledo for work and I was kind of left on my own. So I I had, I wasn't even 21 yet. So while I wasn't in college, I was in my own apartment by 20 and having to maintain myself and my car and my bills and my life, which was challenging at first, but then I got a, a hang of it and I made some friends and Kiana would come home and the kick it would be so hard. It would be so strong. It would be so strong. My house was the trap house. And let me tell y'all, throughout this process, and Alex is making it seem like we were down in college, just soaring with flying colors. I was still in college, failing classes, um, retaking classes, um, staying over the summer, trying to get my GPA up. Um, I was a first generation student. It was just, it was really difficult for me too, but 
One of the things I will say is that our sisterhood, Alex would still come down. She would come down to OU all the time. And when I would come the home. The $4 in my pocket is for McDouble's. <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a jug of Rossi. <laughs> and let, let me, listen, listen, that Carlos Rossi, but this is, this is not about that. So let me just say that Alex, um, we kind of mixed that real life experience with that college experience. It kind of, it was colliding Mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, you were still working, but at the same time, you were still somewhat having a college experience. Oh, absolutely. Oh, 100%. I still feel like I had that college experience because of my friendship with you. And you kind of, I wouldn't say that you wouldn't have welcomed me, but like it, again, like our friendship didn't skip the beat. I was not like your friend from home to your college friends. I was Alex. You know what I mean? Right. I was, I think at one point we called me an honorary Bobcat. Like I was just there. It's quite a few you y'all. expect me to be there for the big weekends, for the birthdays, for the surprises. Like I was there. I lived the life. Like the memories were are just you know, insane. But at the same time, like I was home uh, in Cleveland and I was working and I was creating a life for myself. I was starting to create a life for myself that I enjoyed where I felt like I didn't have the pressure of school anymore. Right. And I was able to kind of, I'm like, all right, I'm doing all right. Like dating was going okay. And, um, I was getting more confidence in myself. Uh, and I was really beginning to enjoy it. And then I got laid off. So <laughs> it was like the hospital was um, the hospital was doing layoffs, and I had that like dreaded walk down the executive hallway into the executive boardroom to tell me that I had been chosen to be laid off. Mm-hmm. And I was 21 at the time. I had just turned 21, and I was kind of devastated. Like I was just like I have. I was doing like networking stuff in the community. Yeah. My friends would be like, I was living it. I was living life. I was going to Cavs games, like networking and I'm not extravagant. Like I was still broke. Like you didn't know it though. People didn't know it. Um, But like I was, I enjoyed my weekends and I enjoyed my weeknights and I had things to look forward to. And I really felt confident and I'm like, you know what? I may be able to make opportunities for myself, even though I don't have a four-year degree. And so I had gotten laid off and I was really presented with like a challenge. And it's like, well, what do you do? You know, you have rent, you have a car note. I had a cat, (laughs) like, you know, what do you do? And at the time, my mother was still living in Toledo. She had moved to Toledo But what she did was she was working for the University of Toledo. And Kiana, you know this story. And I said, while I was still living and enjoying my life, my job was still really challenging. I was still having a difficult time with supervisors Mm -hmm. and feeling disrespected. I worked in a hospital and I worked in a doctor's office, which is a unique environment to work in. um, Because as secretaries, like we are not treated with the same amount of respect. Right. Um, especially when I was a secretary in my twenties, you know, like I was the lowest of the low cause I was a child and I was uneducated in their minds and in um, their minds, in their mind. Thank you. In their mind. And so it was kind of pretty quickly after they laid me off, I said, you know what? I'm moving to Toledo. Um, 
I have to move to Toledo. And the benefit is if I move back in with my mom, I can finish my education at the University of Toledo for free. And so this is three years later. This is three years out of me going to college for the first time. And I said, if I move to Toledo, I can finish my education for free because I would be a dependent of my mom and she's employed with the university. So I would get that free education. And so that's what I did. I think I got notice of me being laid off at the end of September um, of 2011. Mm -hmm. And by the middle of October, I was in Toledo, officially moved. I had gotten rid of my apartment. I like got rid of a lot of my stuff, packed up the rest of my stuff and moved, got myself a job in Toledo. And I moved back to Toledo and I enrolled in school for, to begin in January. Um, because it was still, it, it, I just had to, like I knew what I knew was that while I knew that I had had a difficult time in school, I knew that I had to go back because yeah. I have to be in control of my life. I have to provide myself with an opportunity. And still in 2011, that known opportunity always was from a four-year degree. Like yeah. it, there still wasn't a push to be an entrepreneur. There wasn't that like, let's consider an alternative trade. You yeah. know, it was like, you still got to go to school. So I re-enrolled and I went back to school and I failed. <laughs> like, <laughs> the story didn't change. Like yeah. it, it, I, it was, I was the same person. Like I was taking me with me and, um, I failed. Like I started taking courses and um, I wasn't in the right place mentally. I wasn't in the right space. I kept my job now. I did. I never lost my job. I, I was, I had that, that I was good at that at least. And that gave me some of the confidence to at least keep going and keep trying. But um, I failed. I was failing classes over and over again. I retook math three times. I took science twice. I took astronomy twice. And those are because I failed those things. And it, some, some of it was like my inability to retain the knowledge. Other parts was my inability to get out of my bed for that day and not just sleep in. Um, other parts of it was I didn't want to do homework when I got home at the end of the day because I was just exhausted and I couldn't do it. So there were so many reasons. There were so many things that made me in my mind, a failure. And it, it was, it was always there. Eventually I passed, obviously. Yeah, I was going to say, you so know, what little was by that little. turning point for you? Um, I don't know if there was, I mean, I think that there was a moment where there was, I don't know if it was a turning point, but, um, I, and you'll, I may cry. And I know you remember it was when you graduated college and I was down there for your graduation mm -hmm. every step of the way. And we were in a bar on the bricks. We were in a bar. Um, and pub. Can, you, can you hear me? No, I said, yeah, we were at the pub, of course. We were at the pub and it was towards the end of the night. So the mm -hmm. pub was playing and it was graduation night. So everybody was down in the bar celebrating. People were p taking their bricks, like pulling your bricks to take back. And um, we were in the back of the pub and they played, they played, I think they played We Are Young. And, you know, that was the jam for that, that like trip. <laughs> and you and your girlfriends had all locked hands with each other and you all were dancing because you knew that you all were going home. Like it was, this was it. College was done. 
and everybody was going their separate ways to start living their life. And so you guys were like dancing and holding hands and living and like just smiling and drinking and singing and dancing around. And I remember sitting in a chair in the back of the bar, still near you all. Mm -hmm. And I was sobbing, sobbing. And I don't remember Stop. this moment. Like I remember this moment, but I don't remember you in the back crying. I I, was I hate that. Sobbing. I was sobbing because I was happy for you. I was like overwhelmed with so many emotions. I was happy for you. I was so proud of your accomplishment because I felt how difficult it was. It. I was so proud of you because I knew how hard it was to yeah. do that. And then I was proud of you for making those lifelong friends that you have, that you still have now. I was happy for you. There were all, and then at the same time, sad for myself. So I was sad for myself at the same time. I remember Dominique and Tish came over and hugged me so tight and like spoke like words into me. And they're like, this is not the end for you. You can do it too. You're going to do it. Because I'm just like, I'm never going to have that. Like, I remember crying and I'm like, I'm never going to have this moment. I'm never, I'm never going to have it. And I, it was, oh God, it was just overwhelming. It was such a challenge for me. Um, and it was after that and like a couple more classes, like they always say, we talk about this now. Like we still yeah. talk about this now. And I really should be a stronger advocate than I am on it. But like, it wasn't until I actually started the courses that I finished my degree in, in the work that I do. It wasn't, I work in mental health naturally because my mental health was so terrible for so long that I wanted to give back in my own way. So I work in mental health and like social services and human services. And it wasn't until I started taking those courses that like, I didn't even get a B. I got an A in every single one of my courses from that point on, because it was what I was meant to do. It was what I knew it was what I was good at. It was nothing for me to ace an exam. It was nothing for me to knock out like multiple pages of reports or yeah. essays. It was nothing for me to do research because it was what I knew and it was what I was good at. And it's still what I feel like, like ordained by God to do yeah. 100%. But it was everything else before that that made me feel like a failure. The math that I don't use to this day the environmental science that I don't use to this day. I mean, it's nice to know how plants grow from photosynthesis, but like it, I don't but use who it. Using that you know? shit right now? I don't, I don't use it. Even statistics don't use it because in my organization, we have somebody responsible for doing that. Like right. <laughs> I right. delegate that. I right. delegate that all day. So like it was everything ahead of that, that like took my confidence and like just made me feel so small. But it was once I found my way, I found my way. And it was there was no stopping me after that. And so I graduated. Finally, I think I started college in 20, 2008 mm-hmm. when I went to Cincinnati. And I graduated in 2017, to be honest, like 2016, 2017. Like it was, I think it might have been 2016. Yeah, it was like 2016. So that was a long path. Like, and that we're talking about the fact I moved to Toledo in 2011. So it still took me longer than another, you know, student would take um, because I was at that point working full time and trying to manage everything. But I got there, I got there and I finished, I got there. And it was like, and even then, like, you're just, 
inundated and crippled with those feelings of like, it's still not enough. I didn't walk at my graduation. Like I didn't, I didn't celebrate my graduation because I was like, I'm old as hell. Like why, what is there to celebrate here? You know, I'm old. I don't regret not doing that, but I, I understood why I didn't want to, but it just shows what your mind is like when you're constantly fighting your own feelings of failure and what yeah. your path is supposed to be compared to just trusting the path that God has for you and trusting the path that you're on, yeah, you know? Definitely, definitely. Well, you are not a failure. I hate that you like beat yourself <laughs> no. up because while Alex was fell in classes she was like being a safe haven for me especially through college like I think it was we were talking about our sophomore year in high school but my sophomore year in college I had lost my father and Mm -hmm. you know just leaning on the girls that I had in college and my friends back at home and people who would still come down and see me to make sure that I crossed that finish line like you just never know um how people are or what people are going through to get to whatever goal that they're trying to achieve, let it be college or whether it be getting that dream job or, you know, just trying to push through and just wake up every single day to get to class, like whether that's their goal or not, you know what I mean? And right. that that in itself can be a challenge and we all are going through stuff um, and soaring and failing at the same time. Yeah. 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 That's exactly right. I mean, there were still things that I was good at. Like I still managed to be social and, you know, like I said, I did okay with my job. Like my attendance record was fine. People like I had good customer service, but it, it was just, it was a battle. It was a battle constantly trying to achieve the goal of what I thought I was supposed to do. What I what really was the only acceptable thing to do. Like if we're being honest nowadays, it's completely different. But like I said, in 08 and 07 and 09, the acceptable thing for you to do was go to college. Right. And um, it, it was such a hard journey. And it's not something that most people, I don't, I don't really like actively share that. Like, I don't think I've ever told anybody that not a college accepted me. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know, know that. Like, like everybody else is getting their acceptance letters and sharing what school they were going to. And I didn't have any, like, I didn't have any acceptance letters. There was no school for me to go to. It was only on the like even all the way up to almost leaving for school, Cincinnati had like contacted us and said, we'd be willing to accept her into this transitional program, you know, but there wasn't anything. And then when I quit school altogether, like Cincinnati and community college, um, and I just stopped what eventually when I went back to the university of Toledo, they did accept me kind of on the spot, but I don't know if that had anything to do with the fact that I was an adult learner at that point. Like I wasn't an 18 year old. I wasn't being judged as a high schooler, I was being judged as an adult learner. And they said, yep, we'll take you. And they put me right into the regular courses, um, which probably wasn't the greatest. <laughs> but again, I made it through those boring ass math courses and astronomy courses. I take that back. My astronomy teacher was fantastic. But like, you know, I and ironically, I work with some of the professors at the University of Toledo just to make sure they have mental health resources for their students. And I come and present to some of the students every now and then and then just to remind them like this is you're gonna be okay you're gonna get through what do, what's your role now what do you do now 
Oh my goodness. So like I said, I work in mental health and um, I'm the managing director of the wellness and recovery center. And so it's a mental health resource. It's essentially a mental health facility. So I, I like, you know, direct and operate the facility um, in Toledo, in Lucas County. So I did stay in Toledo. When I graduated, I started to look for work here and I found an opportunity that would allow me growth and that yeah. growth happened pretty quickly. And so I eventually grew into the position that I'm in now um, pretty early. I was a pretty young director uh, and I'm really proud of it. What well, we, we are um, considered a mental health respite care facility. And so um, when you're referring to crisis care, like mm-hmm. mental health crisis care or psychiatric care or emergency care, we fall on the continuum, but when it comes to preventing an emergency. So yeah. we are like a hospital diversion program. So if you're somebody who is experiencing an increase in mental health symptoms, I use my own as an example. Anytime I explain this, I could have very well found myself in a mental health crisis. There were many times during my experience where I didn't want to live anymore because I was having such a hard time battling my feelings of failure. Um, Now, obviously, I love my friends and I love my family. And there was so many other parts of my life that I enjoyed that it was not just something that I was going to do. But it was it was real. It was a yeah. real feeling of not just not wanting to be here anymore. And um, so I use my own examples and I said, you know, my path to a psychiatric crisis was lack of um, either too much sleep or lack of sleep. You know, not mm-hmm. waking up for classes, not going down to to OU to see my girlfriends for the the Halloween weekends. Like you know, yeah. not prioritizing the things that I enjoy, isolating myself start um, fighting with people, coming into work late despite the consequences. Those kinds of things can lead you down a darker path that can eventually create a breakdown, like a psychotic breakdown for someone. And so our job at the center is to identify those things before they happen, to stop you in your tracks before it happens, because we've been there. So we know what it looks like. Right. Um, you know, that way you don't, eventually need any kind of hospitalization that costs money like at the end of the day like beyond the fact that it is dehumanizing and all of those things it also costs you damn money money so um our resource was put in place as a prevention of any kind of psychiatric emergency it also includes any kind of substance use or substance use relapse so we also have services that will prevent somebody from relapsing on drug and alcohol drugs and alcohol or turning to drugs and alcohol to cope that could lead to an addiction. So we work with the dual population, but um, it was from our own experiences that we did this. And I'm proud of my work and I'm proud of how much I choose to share about my own life. Our service is free to the community. We don't charge. Um, We don't bill insurers. We're a tax funded program. So um, the taxes that you pay to the city the city then returns that money to you in services like mine. And we're the only program of our kind in the state. So we're the only one. Mm-hmm. So we operate the only mental health respite care in the state. And we're one of 40 in the country. So um, I, like, I just couldn't be prouder of, of our program and of our work. And it's so strange that it, you know, again, like we're a peer operated service. That means we use our own experiences to be a peer to someone else. So I actively talk about all of my failures and how I almost succumb to my failures and 
how I changed that, you know, as an example to other yeah. people that you too can change it. Yeah. You know, I, I love the work that you're called to do and I am myself am so proud, you know, to watch you persevere and to stick it out oh. and to use your journey just to help other people. Do you still mm-hmm. find that a lot of people who are going through mental health issues are still struggling with combating like mm-hmm. societal norms, if you will, or trying yeah. to fit into what they think life is supposed to be projected to look like? Yep. All the time, all the time. I think one of the biggest, um, challenges that people in my life personally and people that we work with, especially because of the pandemic, was the word expectation. And I would talk with someone and they're, you know, I just feel, I just feel, I just feel. And it's like, why do you feel that way? Like our societal norms and our expectations that we feel like society has on us has then caused us to have an expectation, an unrealistic expectation on ourselves. And then when those expectations are not met, we feel like we failed. We feel like we're less than, we lose confidence. Our self-esteem goes in the shitter. All of those things, all of those things happen. And I, I have to stop people in their tracks. And I said, but who says that you were supposed to do that? Who says, I'll use a pandemic as an example. Who said that you were supposed to know how to, operate in a, in a global pandemic? Who said you were supposed to know how to keep everyone safe? Who said you knew you were supposed to know how to not transmit COVID when we didn't even know, or like when we were just learning that we had to wear masks back in March of 2020? Who said those things? Nobody did. But you are placing that expectation on yourself that you're supposed to be perfect. And when you're not meeting those expectations, it is taking your confidence so low that it's taking you into such a dark place. Your anxiety is taking you to a space that you just don't need to be. So let's come back from that. Like, let's come on back. Let's come on back because we don't need to be there. That's not a healthy, healthy space. We're going to wave at them from afar. We're going to acknowledge that they're there and we're going to move forward, giving ourselves grace. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I know that you've practiced this not only in your professional <laughs> life, but your personal life. As you guys know, mm-hmm. I've talked to you about struggling with some anxiety and depression. Yeah. And I've even had to confide in Alex a lot about my own mental well-being, um, especially uh-huh. throughout this chapter of my life. Um, it. And not even just this chapter in my life, but this season that everybody's going through in the world, which is the pandemic. And it kind of, this kind of is the perfect time to shift into our second topic right now, Alex. Yes. Which is, um, you know, navigating mental health during a pandemic. And so Mm -hmm. we already talked about some of the things that you've seen, that you've seen, you know, during the pandemic. But again, how have you seen this affect some of the people closest to you and how do you set like boundaries in order to make sure that your mental health doesn't necessarily go into a deficit or you, you know, retreat back from where you've worked so hard to come from? Oh, oh, Jesus. That's always the battle. That's always, once you acknowledge that you have mental health challenges, you have to put yourself first always. Oh, so I keep hearing, you know? Everybody's telling <laughs> <Always>. me that. <laughs> and it's hard to do. It's, it is hard to do. It's it, you, it, you feel selfish, all of those things. But um, 
I think the pandemic has brought forward so many different emotions in people from like individuals feeling like they're not parenting the best that they could to people who feel like, um, who, who lost motivation from working from home. Like it was like, um, at some point, everybody I knew lost motivation at some point or another. Like it was like, um, and I won't name names, but like you wake up and you don't leave your home and you turn on that computer and then you like watch a show for a little while when you know you should really be working, Yeah, you know? And then like you take a nap, you know, you should really be working. And then you start to feel bad because you didn't work. And then you start to get paranoid because it's like, do they know that I didn't work though? Somebody's going to come after me because I didn't answer that phone call. And then some people like, let's be real. There were other people that adapted to the pandemic and they're working too much. Like, um, excuse me. I'll use the term Karen because there's no Karen at my job. Excuse me, Karen, but I'm not going to respond to an email that you sent me at 730 at night. And the fact that you expect me to respond to that email is a problem. Like, you know what I mean? So those boundaries needed to be put in place. I set them up pretty early, like, because I knew that that, no, just because your schedule allows you to send emails at 730 at night doesn't mean that mine does. And, um, I did, I did set up kind of a plan and some boundaries in place. So I feel like i made it through the pandemic. Okay. But there were continuing to make it through. Let's not pretend like it's over. Um, I have to adjust my speaking about that all the time, but, um, you know, there were others who really struggled that I know, you know, personally, and that I work with professionally that really did struggle with, um, some really complex emotions about feeling like they weren't doing enough or feeling like they should do feeling like they were doing too much or they weren't doing enough. Um, paranoia, you know, not being around isolation, not being around your coworkers. One of the things that we did at the center was we rolled out, um, like an emotional support line. So like a support call line pretty quickly. And I remember I got a call. I'll never forget this. And this was something professionally, but a, a woman called hysterically crying and come to find out she's a nurse. And so I was really grateful that our line was being utilized by essential workers. And she says, I haven't seen my kids. I haven't seen my family because I'm dirty. I work at a hospital and people are dying all around me. COVID is everywhere. And I feel dirty. I'm a, I'm dirty. And I don't want to get them sick. And I said, (laughs) ma'am, ma'am, let me be your voice of reason. That's what we're here for. I said, where do you work in a hospital? She goes, oh, I work in the surgical wing. And I said, you mean to tell me you're a surgical nurse? Yes, I am. Ma'am, let me tell you a little something about anxiety and and, and stress. It will trick you into thinking you don't know your shit. You know your shit. You have been to school for this for a long time. How long have you been in healthcare? I think it was something like five plus years. You've been a nurse for a long time and on the surgical unit. You know how to sterilize yourself so that you can keep people safe, so that your patients on that operating bed don't get staph infections or MRSA infections. You know how to sanitize yourself. You know how to keep you and your family safe because you do it every day. But your anxiety is making you think that you're dirty. It's making you forget that you know yourself. You're that bitch. Like, you know it. Mm. It's making you forget that. You have to actively talk to yourself every day and remember who you are and that you know these things and you've worked hard and you're not going to get people sick, and you're not dirty. Um, 
it was a it was a real challenge for some people to just battle the constant threat that their mind was tricking them into thinking was yeah. there. That's PTSD. That's yeah. trauma. Yeah. That's 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 trauma and PTSD that we all have kind of picked up on over yeah. the last t- almost two years, almost twenty four months, and we have to remind ourselves that there isn't a threat present. And if there is a threat present, you're doing all the necessary steps to avoid that. So right. myself, you know, I'm immunocompromised. Yeah. I wear a mask. I, I've been vaccinated. I have been vaccinated. Come on, vaccinations. Um, you know, I've done the Everybody work. Everybody do what you need to myself. do, but get vaccinated, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah let's anyway. <laughs> but like, we have to remind ourselves that like we are we are acting out of a response from trauma like we are acting in a way that we view a threat that is present and so you have to take deep breaths literally sometimes just sit there and plant your feet firmly on the ground and breathe as deeply as you can for a couple minutes or at least 30 seconds if you can do that much and like look around you and really think is there a threat present no there's not a threat present then I need to calm down. I need to, I need to get back to baseline yeah. and keep going and keep and you, going. You've even had to do that with me. And this is just me being yeah. transparent and my anxiety yeah. and struggling with some PTSD and mm-hmm. honestly just being it, it. Like I said, it's, it's been a year. And so I don't mm-hmm. want anybody to feel like they're alone in this. And mm-hmm. Alex has had to talk me into reminding myself of who I am and not just once. Not just once <laughs> in terms of But you that's know, okay. Yeah, it is. It is because you know, we are going through something really traumatic and I don't think a lot of people understand that even to this day with the Delta variant, you know, popping up and mm-hmm. things of that nature. So like I said, the work that you're doing is great work and we need that work in our community and throughout the world and, and what's going on. So um, one of the other things I wanted to ask you, what are some of the resources that people can use that are struggling with this new, it seems like the pandemic is our normal right now because it's been going on for Uh two years. Uh Isn't it crazy 2020? Um, It's been going on for almost two years. So what are some of the resources that you would suggest that people take advantage of if they're struggling with their mental health, you know, during this pandemic, during the second wave? So I think that um, social media is allowing us, like, the. it was unfortunate that we've been going through a pandemic, but it's fortunate that we're going through a pandemic in 2021 because we all have access to so many resources and social media um, people that are sharing information, people that are sharing their experiences, people that are um, advocating for groups and, and talking about these things. So like, um, I, I, I'm really biased with this, but obviously like as, as a managing director of the wellness center, we also operate the emotional support line. It's so easy to just call and speak to someone it's confidential. They don't need to know your name. They don't need to know where you are. They're not going to send the police to your home. You know what I mean? If, you, if there's nothing going on around you that's putting you in danger. And it's that first step of talking to somebody about something that is foreign to you, which is your mental health. Saying, verbally saying what has been in your mind and in your heart and in your brain about, 
I'm not feeling good. Like something doesn't feel right, you know, and, and letting it out, letting it out to somebody that you don't know, somebody that's not going to judge you. And that has probably been where you've been. I cannot advocate enough that if you have a support line in your community to call them, just call, even if you talk to them for five minutes, just call them because you're getting a little bit of a taste of what that is like to get some of those things off of your chest. There was a commercial that I saw. It was like a digital advertisement. I think it's for BetterHelp, which Mm -hmm. is a uh, mental health resource electronic, like completely, I think it's like text message related, but you do have to pay for it. It is a little pricey. I checked. And um, there was an advertisement and it showed a woman and she, they had kind of, um, they, they did some like CGI or something and, and put a zipper, like they made her chest look like it was something that you could zip up and down. And she was like, you could, she, it was like, she couldn't breathe. She's looking at herself in the mirror and she could not breathe. And she unzips her chest and then out pops out all of these words like hopelessness and grief and failure and, you know, all of these thoughts and feelings that she was just holding in and it was making her chest heavy. It was making her hard to breathe and hard to function. And as soon as she let all of that out, she could breathe, she could concentrate, she could focus. It was a really good visual of what it's like when you hold all of this stuff in. Yeah. You start to feel, te- literally, you get tension headaches. You, your body feels tense. So I'm, I, I'm, and I'm, I know I'm biased because we do this work so much now, but the smallest step of a text line or a call line, it's confidential. You don't have to have an appointment. Some of them are 24 hours. Just call someone and talk to them. If you don't feel comfortable talking to your friend, um, most communities now have mental health resources for specific to groups. Like I sit on the African-American Leadership Council here in Toledo. We specifically create literature on where you can go to find a black therapist, to find a Latino therapist, to find somebody that meets that you relate to or that looks like you that can then have understanding men's health, men's mental health, um, you know, where you can go to kind of work on those things. So communities have those resources. NAMI, NAMI National, always has local organizations. So we have NAMI of Greater Toledo. There's NAMI of Greater Cleveland. Um, there's a NAMI in Columbus and Dayton, all of those areas. There's a NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. There is a NAMI office in your neighborhood. You just call them, call them, and you can ask them questions and they can give you resources um, and they can set, put you in the right direction. But if you need to call me too, message, let me know and I will help you as best I can. <laughs> now I have boundaries but call me. Well, we're going to put some of those. um, I'm going to put some of those resources in the footnotes of the show so that you guys are able to find that and check the resources that are in your community um, to make sure that you feel supported. And then I will also put Alex's social handle um, (laughs) on there as well. So that way you guys can take advantage of those resources. But I definitely just want to, um, I just wanted to shed light on one, you know, highlighting that none of us are behind. Everybody is right, right. where they're supposed to be, um, right. whether you want to believe that or not. But it's it's true. Otherwise, you wouldn't be there. And two, um, it's okay to get help. It's okay to get support. And it's okay to be supported right now throughout this pandemic. Um, again, 
there's so many things that have transpired over these last few years, whether it be grief. I know I'm dealing with my share of grief right now. And we'll talk about that later, whether it be adjusting to um, new environments or really just trying to feel comfort in the same environment that we've sort of been in and locked into for a while. Now we're not quarantined, but you know, we have been quarantined in these spaces and then try to resume a normal life in these same spaces. Sometimes a lot of us still haven't moved since the pandemic. And so a lot has transpired even in our own homes that I think we never thought would happen in our homes. And so I just wanted to use this first episode to address some of those things. And so Alex, I just appreciate you sharing your story and, you know, sharing different ways that people won't have to necessarily feel alone because, you know, we, nothing happens in a silo here. There's nothing new under the sun. And Uh granted, this is a new experience for our day and age, but you know, this pandemic is a pandemic has happened before. And so we're not the right. first ones to get through it. We're not going to be the first ones, you know, to make something hopefully out of this crazy tumultuous time. So thank you, sis. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. And I, I mean, I hope my sharing will help other people. I know there are some there's some people that will listen that know me pretty well and that didn't know any of this. So like, Hey y'all, like this is all mm-hmm. of me. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, um, nice to meet you. Um, as I am, really. I know that's so strange to say, but like it's who I am and I'm proud of it now. Um, not so proud of it then, but I'm in a different place. So, and kudos to that. Kudos to that. Yeah. 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 Growth, Gr- growth. Y'all, y'all <laughs> can't see me, but I'm doing the hand Good gesture. Growth. Um, from Kelly on Insecure Growth. I love Kelly. I, I really I love Kelly. her. I love her in every role oh she plays. Oh my gosh, in. she's great. Um, what's her name? <laughs> Natasha Rothwell. She's amazing. Oh my God. So the next segment of our show is we're going to leave some tips. I don't know if you have okay. a tip of the week, but I definitely have a tip of the week. And I can go ahead and start with my tip. And my tip of the week is actually going to go to Simone Biles. Um, I'm giving Simone a 80% tip. Simone, if you guys don't know, she is a gymnast who's participating in the 2020, which is weird to say because it's 2021, but the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. And Simone decided to take a mental health break during the Olympics because she was really struggling with battling the weight of perfection. And honestly, Mm -hmm. like, kudos to you, sis. You know, there's so many Black women who are really just not only just fighting to be Black women and just exist as a Black woman and feel safe, you know, outside in this world, but not only to do that, but to go into your job, to go into your craft and to perform with absolute excellence. And sis was like, nah, not today. So I'm giving her a tip for, you know, sticking up for herself and showing us that it's nothing wrong with saying no, not now. It doesn't take away from who she is. She's still Simone Biles. Like what? You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, um, we're just happy for you, sis. We're happy to see that you're at the Olympic within itself. That's a feat within itself just to be there in Tokyo. So I'm just giving her a tip this week 
Um, and I'm so proud of you. And, you know, keep going forth and prospering. Little sis, we got your back. I, I mean, it was just, it was amazing. It was amazing. And right before her was Naomi Osaka. So it was just yeah. that, like, validation of, listen here, bitches. What we're yeah. not going to do is kill ourselves for your entertainment. And I appreciated it so much. And it really, it, it challenged those old school mentalities. Now, like people know who that gymnast was that did a vault on a broken ankle. And they're like, well, she vaulted on a broken ankle. And it's like, well, why did we ever think that that was okay? First of all, (laughs) I won't shame you because you've never looked at it that way, but it's time for us to look beyond like literally killing ourselves for the pleasure of other people. And you can hold on to those, those uh, hopefully people takes that personally and starts to reflect on that and add that into their daily lives and the boundaries that they do. Cause what you're not going to do is email me at seven 30 at night and expect <laughs> me to respond. Thank you very yeah, there's much. Somebody who email Alex at seven 30 at night. She ain't having that shit. <laughs> because what did I do? Kiana left my laptop at, at work. It ain't here. That's it ain't fact. here. I left it we, were, we were trying to podcast and I was like, sis, <laughs> where is your computer? And I said, I left it at work. So I don't feel tempted to work after hours. Um, I do for emergencies, but you know, anyway. Um, so first of all, I don't normally do this. So this method is, is not foreign to me, but whatever the max tip is, what is it? 20%, 25%. You can give as much as you want. They're your coins. Even if you want to give a hundred percent tip. Listen, I'm going to give 95% tip because I feel like this person would probably not want me to tip them anyway. I'm going to give 95% tip. I'm going to hold back 5% just to make them feel better to Kiana Rivers because, because, and again, this will flesh itself out over time. I am more than willing to come back during these conversations, but this is your first podcast of season four. You're doing it solo from with the, with the knowledge from Courtney. I know Courtney's already assisted you in some things. And you have had a year, you've had a year, you've had a couple months. There's been some moments that have been so challenging for you. I've been step side by side with you through it. I'm so proud of you. You deserve all the tips in the world because you're getting back to those spaces. And I'm just, I'm so proud of you. So I know that this is so like cheesy to tip my best friend, (laughs) but like nobody deserves it more. And this is the perfect example of why you deserve it, honey. Don't cry. Oh, y'all. I see I you. I'm shedding a few tears. Shedding a few tears. <laughs> I see you. I appreciate that, sis. I definitely appreciate that. I appreciate you standing right by my side, even through this. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. You deserve it. You're I'm getting grateful. back to that. You're getting back to you. Season four. Season four. We in this thing. <laughs> we ain't here to quit. We in this thing. We just taking a, I was just taking a little break, but definitely back at it. And I'm, I'm grateful for you. I received that 95% tip. And if you do want to cash at me, my cash app is... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Say it. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, well, those are our tips of the week. And then I also have a brunch spot because, listen, bitches still love brunch. And I have been out in these streets somewhat still being COVID compliant in some regards. I also am vaccinated. So there's that. Um, but one of the places that I do want to highlight is called the Hampton Social. And it's downtown Nashville. And I love the Hampton Social because 
they have like a plethora of like rosé options. Um, they even have like this, um, I think it was a sign that's like rosé all day. And I think it was during the month of either June or July. I could be wrong, but June or July, girl, they had rosé for like $2. Are you going to go get glasses of rosé at the at, um at the Hampton Social. And so the Hampton Social is so cute because it really does resemble like the Hamptons. Like the decor is amazing. You can do so many um, Instagram photo ops. Their rooftop is amazing. They have a swinging Is it full of white people too? Say what? Is it full of white people too? It's Nashville. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. I, I like yeah. bachelorettes and shit. Oh my gosh. So it's like jam packed on the weekends and it's like hard to get into. Um, but uh, I like to get out during the week um, here in Nashville. Granted, I can't brunch during the week because I have work. But um, yeah. if I can, I'll try to sample like different restaurants throughout the week where all the, when all the tourists are not here, which is yeah. when Nashville is great for just people who just live here. So yeah, so that's my brunch spot for the week. Have you gone to brunch anywhere? So I did, which is rare because I don't normally go out um, for like breakfast slash brunch. Mm-hmm. I need to get better at that. But I like to like, my weekends consist of me like cooking in my home. Like I like my breakfast, you know? I know my way. But um, I went to a place that's near and dear to my heart here in Toledo. It's called Manhattan's. Normally, we go to Manhattan's for dinner. Manhattan's is where my little honeybee T-Bone proposed to me. Yeah, y'all, Alex got engaged over the pandemic. <laughs> I know. We got engaged Valentine's weekend, and uh, we went to Manhattan's. So Manhattan's is a restaurant that we do love. There's, I, I would say that there's, it's not like fancy, and it's not super like hipster, but it is very well known in Toledo. It's on Adam Street, which is a lot more of like a free, free-spirited kind of street. You know, you'll find like thrift shops, thrift shops, gay bars, some taverns, like that have goth night, like fun stuff. And um, at Manhattan's has a really good like brunch bar, and so you, it's like a buffet, and they give you a free mimosa. <laughs> So I went with a girlfriend of mine and got a little tipsy. Um, But then my 30 year old self, my blood sugar started to crash. So I had to do some stuff. But anyway, it was fun. It was a good time. And they were so nice in there. Um, So I really enjoyed it. So shout out to Manhattan's. What did you go back for their pizza too during the day? Because it's delicious. What did you eat? Oh, uh, so I don't experiment. So I had some eggs and bacon. Okay. And some a, a pancake, a pancake. So anybody who eats more than one pancake, I don't understand how you do it. That's way too much sugar. How do you do don't that? Ju- like don't one, judge the pancake lovers. One pancake. I can't do more than one pancake. It's too much for me. I need something to balance out all that sugar. Oh my goodness. Girl, drink some milk. Mm. I guess so. Yeah. I forgot to mention what I had at the Hampton Social. I've had two of their menu items. Actually, three. Um, cause I've been there for dinner too, but I, what did I eat for brunch? Oh, I had a burger. Their burger was pretty good. And then I've also had their lobster roll and they do lobster rolls the way that I like them without the mayo base and just strictly butter base. Oh, sis. So good. So good. You know, I don't, 
food. So I don't know what that's like. I don't know that life. I don't know what I'm missing. No, it's okay. okay. Except sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, I cannot. I cannot. Well, Alex, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. Um, what are your what are your social handles? Where can people find you? Uh, if you want to give that out, do you want to? You don't have to. No, I can't. No, I don't know. Um, I know my Instagram. I've never had to share that information before. I mean, we podcast, but we have like a show page. So um, well, my podcast. Hmm? If you just want to highlight your podcast. So my Instagram is Alexandria underscore P. So Alexandria spelled as is. I'm not spelling it out for y'all because it's normal. Underscore P is in Patty. My middle name is Patricia and don't judge me. And um, Alexandria Thomas on Facebook. I do podcasts multiple times a week. We talk about mainly Toledo stuff. So if you know Toledo, that's cool. But we also talk about some like national stuff like JLo's booty and did she have plastic surgery and should Britney Spears like what's going on? Free Britney. That kind of stuff. <laughs> so we talk, we do talk about that. Um, it's Eric Chase and the fam. So um, Eric Chase, um, like uh, Paw Patrol Chase, I think that's his name, like Paw Patrol. Um, Eric Chase and the fam and we have Instagram and Facebook and all sorts of stuff and you can listen in um, and we talk about a lot of stuff we just podcasted today actually so I think it's already live and ready to go two podcasts one day yes but this is my first time with you so this one is special and like this was me sharing my story that I don't normally share on our podcast people know me but they know me in in spurts yeah you know yeah yeah I get you so well guys it's good to be back excited to welcome be back. back welcome back welcome back <laughs> i have more guests coming for you um we're gonna talk over over brunch i'm gonna have some drinks that'll come also there'll be just more surprises to come down the line but if you are not following us follow us on all your streaming platforms our podcast is Bitches Love Brunch. You can follow us on Instagram at Bitches Love Brunch Pod. Yes, the Instagram handle has changed. Um, and then we have a Facebook group called Bitches Love Brunch as well. So join that and continue the conversation moving forward. But in the meantime, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend that we back. Share, like, review, comment, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, all of those different things. So we out here. Yes. We out here. Yes. Alex, thank you again. I love you, sis. I love you too. Yeah. It's on and popping, y'all. Yes, it is. <laughs>